As uh, Pastor talked about giving, it, it just reminded me of back when I had to take over manager of Jefferson Manor in 1974. <laughs> it was a probably about the last place in the world that I thought I wanted to be. I remember sitting in my office about two weeks before that, and I said, God, I am so bored with this job. Two weeks later, my uncle, who had uh, practically drank himself to death, was in Lima Memorial Hospital, bleeding ulcer, cirrhosis of the liver. And I took over Jefferson Manor, and the place was out of control. Total chaos. I was no longer bored. But uh, after I moved in there, I had a real burden for the kids there because uh, most of them weren't going to church. And so I prayed about it, and God said, well, why don't you do something about it? And I said, well, what do you want me to do? And he said, why don't you take them to church? All I had was a firebird. You can't squeeze too many kids in a Pontiac firebird. So I went to Wapak and bought a 1969 Dodge nine-passenger station, station wagon off Bob Brandt, and I started taking kids to church. And then years later, after God sent a man in to buy that project, in 1977, I moved back to Salina. I had a fellow who was a young man just out of high school working for me, and he wanted to go to Baptist Bible College in Kentucky. And uh, just before he was going to go, his old car blew up. So I said, George, you just take that station wagon, you go. So he did, and he became uh, a pastor, and he was up at Wellington, Ohio. And his pianist was somebody who God put a, a burden on her heart to learn how to play the piano so she could play and, and minister in the church. And uh, that person was Nita. And you can see how years ago, years before that, God had a plan. And he has a plan for a life. And it came together with a giving. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I want to open in prayer tonight. Father in heaven, as we come in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, if we just empty ourselves of ourselves tonight, I thank you that your name is above every name that there's still power, healing, deliverance, restoration, miracles in your wonderful name. And I pray, Lord, for your anointing tonight upon the word, upon me. I pray that my words will be your words and our thoughts, your thoughts tonight. We loose the Holy Ghost. We loose ministering angels tonight. And Lord, I thank you for victory that's in your wonderful name. We bind Satan and loose the Holy Ghost tonight. And I thank you for all that's going to take place tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, head of the church. Amen. I want to share with you tonight about benefits. I was thinking today about different things about one of them. You may have heard the story many years ago before they had airplane flights over to Europe. This one man wanted to uh, go over to Europe. He needed to go over to Europe to see his family for something. And so he bought a, a ticket on a passenger ship, used all of the money he had to buy it, and he didn't have money to uh, buy food on the ship, so he packed some cheese and some crackers and some sausages and, and uh, got aboard the ship. And those old cheese and crackers and sausages, it took about a week to get there. They lasted about four days. And so after that, he just didn't eat. And when the ship docked over in Europe and he was getting off, he was standing in line waiting to get off, 
And the captain was standing there and he said, son, how'd you like the trip? And he said, well, the cabin was nice, I enjoyed it. He said, except I really got hungry. He said, my cheese and my sausage and crackers ran out after about four days. And the captain said, well, didn't somebody tell you when you purchased your ticket, it included three meals a day in the dining room. And somebody didn't tell him about his benefits. And about two years ago, when we were doing the door-to-door ministry. I enjoy doing the door-to-door ministry. It's fun. There's been so many times just had fun with people, such nice people we've met. I know one time we were uh, in the South End a couple years ago. We started off in the South End of Lima, and the apartments down there didn't have peepholes. So we always did the, because they think it's a friend. At one time they said, it's unlocked, come on in. We walked in and they said, who are you? What do you want? Sometimes I'm a smart aleck and I said, this is a robbery, I need your money. And they said, well, you're too late, we've already been robbed. (laughs) So we've had a lot of fun, had a lot of fun with people. We really met some nice people, but the uh, one time we were in Crytersville and we were in this apartment apartment project there and I was talking to a young man probably in his 20s and I invited him to come to Only Believe. I said if you don't go any place, you don't like to start off, we wouldn't invite you to come. And he said, why wouldn't go to that church? And I said, well why not? And he said, well I heard you had to pay to go there. And I said, no there's no cover charge. I said, we don't, we don't look in your pockets when you come in. We encourage you to give but there's, we, we treat everybody the same, whether you give or don't give. We treat everybody the same. And I said, well, if you don't go to our church, there's one right up here on Main Street in Crytersville, a little church. I know it was Church of God, Church of Christ, Nazarene, something like that. I said, why don't you go up there? He said, no, I wouldn't go there either. And I said, why? He said, that man's got a new car. And I thought, you know, I know something about the finances of some small churches. And I thought, well, I would bet money. If I was betting, I bet money. He did not go down and buy a new car himself that it was probably one of these no money down $99 a month cars. And later I thought, I was thinking about him, and I wished I'd have pressed him further, and I wish I'd have said, well, what if that man, what if that pastor didn't have a car? If all he had was, was a bicycle, would you go? And then if he didn't have a bicycle, all he had was a cardboard sign that said, homeless pastor will work for food, would you go to his church then? But I was thinking sometimes that people aren't interested in becoming a Christian or going to church, because they can't see the benefits. They didn't know the benefit. Why would I want to go? Why would I want to get up on Sunday morning and go to church? But uh, the Lord gives us uh, one of the reasons in Psalm 103. This is a psalm that I stand on many times when I've gone through a trial, temptations, when uh, trouble's coming down the road. I just love this psalm. It says, Bless the Lord of my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord of my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Don't forget his benefits. Just like that man didn't know that one of the benefits was a meal on the ship. It said, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. As I was reading this, I just remembered too, before I go on, I have on a tape someplace, this one pastor lost his voice. Something happened 
to his vocal cords and he lost his voice and all he could do was whisper. And somebody gave me that tape. It was on a cassette when we were in the other building. But this, this pastor was whispering in a microphone. And uh, as he was whispering and talking, God restored him. God restored him. Completely restored him. Thank God. You could hear his voice coming back strong. And people were just shocked. Who redeemeth thy life in destruction, who crowd thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that be oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful. Thank God. Gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us after our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Now the word fear doesn't mean those who are afraid of him. Right now, in this uh, passage of scripture, it means those who honor, reverence, and respect him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as if a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him, honor, reverence, and respect him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. For as for man his days are as grass, a flower of the field, so flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, it is gone, and the place shall know it no more. Isn't that the truth? I remember we came back from vacation, the thing, one thing I missed, I used to go down and talk to my mom and dad, and tell them what we did on vacation. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, his righteousness and the children's children, to such as keep his covenant, to those that remember his commandments to do them. For the Lord hath prepared his throne above the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength and do his commandments, hearkening to the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye hosts, all ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. People need to know about the, the benefits. Whenever people are trying to sell you something, they try to sell you on the benefits. What's the benefits of that? Well, last week we were in St. Augustine in the spring. Nita said, where do you want to go this summer? And I said, I want to go back to St. Augustine. Been a long time since we've been there. And that's my favorite place. I said, let's pack up the Jeep and go to St. Augustine. We'll get a, a room on the beach. I called up and made arrangements. And then we'll go down there. I like to stay in a hotel. I like the top floor, ocean front, where you can get up in the morning and see the sun coming up. And, and uh, then we'll get up in the morning and walk the beach and later drive the beach in the Jeep. There's 19 miles of sand that you can drive down there. So I said, let's go down there. So we made arrangements, and I like to get there early. So we stayed all night in Columbia, South Carolina, got up early. And so we got to the hotel about 1230 and to check in. And I wanted to make sure that they didn't give my room away. And so we checked in, gave them the credit card, and she said, I'll call you up when the room's ready. It's, it's not ready. So we went downtown. How many have ever been downtown St. Augustine? Yep, just a couple. It's the oldest city in the United States. It was established by the Spanish, and I think it was Ponce de Leon started it. 
But uh, we went downtown, ate at the Columbia restaurant, Spanish restaurant, just wonderful. And then we walked down the street, the main street, St. George Street, and it's a real narrow street, you know, like it's maybe twice as wide as, as our aisleway there is. And they got posts at each intersection so cars can't drive down. And you go down there, be shops and stores and restaurants. And sometimes you walk along and somebody will have a tray out there and they'll be giving you a sample of their pizza or their candy or their popcorn. And we were walking down, down looking at the shops and things, some buying some souvenirs. And came to this one shop and, and, and it looked like a, a place that would sell uh, Bath and Body Works. And this guy was standing out there with a tray and had a little sample there and he asked Nita, said, do you like some? And she said, well, what is it? He said, well, it's facial soap. And so she said, thank you and took it. And he said, are you interested in any wrinkle cream? And she said, yeah, I, I think I would be. He said, come on in, let me show you what I got. So she went in and sat down in the, in the seat there like at a beauty shop and I sat down on a stool and, and he explained what he had. He had three jars about this size they had the lids off and they had a, like a popsicle stick in there. And he said, he was explaining, now this is special stuff, it's from France. And he said, here's, here's jar number one, that goes on your forehead here. Here's jar number two, goes under your eyelids. Jar number three goes on your wrinkles like the side of your mouth. And he said, uh, do you want to try some? And she said, sure. So he put some up, up here, spread it around. And while we're sitting there, you know, I saw this couple checking out. And one guy's, you know, about my age, got some gray hair. Him and his wife are checking out. I get up and walk over there. Sometimes I think of things I think are funny, but unfortunately, the people, <laughs> other people don't always take it that way. <laughs> and I get in trouble. But they were just checking out in this little shop, you know, they were giving him his credit card back and they handed him this little sack. And, and I walked up there and I said, man, I said, that stuff really works. I said, you look about 20 years younger. Of course, I wasn't in there when he first came in. He said, I hope it does something. He said, I just paid $1,800 for those three jars. I said, you paid what? He said, $1,800 for three jars of wrinkle cream. So I went back over and sat down and I said, Nita, don't you even think of buying anything in this place. I said, I am not giving this man, he's not even going to look at my credit card. And so he comes back over, and this guy's something else. I mean, he's, he's done this before. He knows how to read people. So he takes a little moist cloth and wipes it off, and he said, what do you think? He says to me, what do you think? And I said, well, I can see it's made a difference here. And he said, well, let me put the part under your eyes. This is just like on TV where, you know, they put it under the guy's eyes. He said, I'll be back in about five minutes. So about five minutes, he comes back wipes it off and he said can you see the difference and I said yeah that stuff really works and he said uh, do you want to try some and I said no I said I've spent a lot of money to look this bad I don't want to ruin it <laughs> so anyways he put some then on, on one side of her face and said I'll be back so he comes back and before he wipes it off he said now here's the deal he said jar number one is six hundred dollars jar number two is eight hundred dollars Jar number three is $1,400. And I, he could see I was ready to fall over. And he said, now, that may look a little expensive, but he said, here's, here's the thing about this. This is spatial stuff. He said, uh, you only have to put it on once a month, and that jar will last you three years. The FDA says it'll last three years, but if you keep it clean and, and take 
take care. He said, it ought to last you six years. He said, now, if you take that into consideration, he said, uh, it sounds like a deal. He said, what do you think? And I said, you have got to be out of your mind. I said, that is ridiculously expensive. So he said, well, here's what I'm going to do, just for you people. I said, this guy ought to be selling cars. I've heard this story before. Just for you people, you're such nice people. I'm going to make you a better deal. He said, I will sell you all three jars for $1,700, and I'll throw in whatever you want on his list here. He said, you come back tomorrow. It was like a facial. It was $140 for him to smear some mud on your face. He said, I'll give you a free facial. And he said, what do you think of that? And he tries to sell Neat on it. He said, you know, you know, lady, he said, this is, this is your choice. This is, this, this is your decision. And she says, oh, no. She said, my husband's going to have to make that, that decision. She said, he's cheap. <laughs> so, so he tries working on me. He says, now, you want your wife to look as beautiful? I know you think she's beautiful, but you want her to look as beautiful as she can, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I do. And he said, well, aren't you willing to pay just $1,700? I said, here's the deal. I was thinking, my grandmother used to say, I'm not as dumb as I look. So I said, here's the deal. I said, I still believe it's ridiculously expensive, and I want to wait and see what she looks like in the morning. Because I was thinking, if we wake up, and I look over, and she looks like she's 18 years old. I'm going to be down here when the doors open to get some for her and for me, too. But I said, I want to see what she looks like in the morning. And he said, well, that's not going to work. He said, because tomorrow I've got to be in our Tampa store. And he said, uh, you won't be able to get it for that price here. And so he said, I think what you're telling me is that if you won't pay $1,700 today, you're not going to pay $2,600 tomorrow. And I said, you got that right. So he reaches over and jerks the literature out of her hand, wipes off what's left on her face, and he said, we're done here, goodbye. So he was trying to sell us on the benefits. I mean, that was worth the whole trip. I said, this is insane. For $1,700, they ought to be selling it by the gallon instead of the jar. But uh, you can't believe that would happen, but it did. But, the, but I wanted to share with you the benefits. In Genesis chapter 2, in Genesis chapter 2, how the wrinkles all started and the trouble all started. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, now uh, Joe McGee was talking about this Sunday. But the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou shalt freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now the serpent was a good salesman. He was kind of like the guy we ran into. He was more subtle, which means more cunning, crafty, and deceitful, than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto a woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. He takes the truth gives the little twist. And the woman said unto the serpent, Serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. She adds to it. She gives it another little twist. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. He says, Look around. Did you ever? How long have you been here? 
I don't know how long they were there. They could have been there hundreds of years. It doesn't, it doesn't say there's no timeline in the first three chapters. They could have been hundreds, there hundreds of years, but they never aged one day. He said, look around. Have you ever seen anyone or anything die? He said, for God doth know then the day you shall eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God's knowing good and evil. Now, wouldn't you like to be like God, he says to Eve. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, that the desire to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, did eat, gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. Now, God told Adam, he said, the day, the very day that you eat, you shall surely die. Did they die that day? Yes. They died in two ways. First of all, they were spiritually separated from God. And secondly, it's my theory that they could have been hundreds of years old, but they never aged one day. They never, he never got gray hair. She never got wrinkles. They never got sick. They never got arthritis. But the day that they ate, not only were they spiritually die, but the clock started. They started to age. It opened the door for sickness and disease. And that's where it came from. But it said, the woman saw that it was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, the tree desired to make one wise. And I saw that in those three things, that, that uh, all sin can fall under one of those three categories. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, it says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. All sin comes under one of those three categories. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that's how the devil tempted Jesus after he had fasted 40 days. It says in Luke chapter 4, beginning of verse 1, it says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned to Jordan, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil, in whose days, or in those days, did eat nothing. When he had ended, he afterward was hungered. And here's the first thing the devil tempted him with, said, If you be the Son of God, command the stone to be made bread, lust of the flesh. And Jesus said, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Verse 5 says, And the devil taketh him up into a high mountain, and showed unto him the lust of the eyes, all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and all the glory thereof, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it. Look at that. Look what I'll give you. If, there, if, if thou wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus said, Get thee behind me, Satan. It is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord God, and him only shalt thou serve. Verse 9. That was, of course, the lust of the eyes. Verse 9. And then he brought him up into, a pinnacle, into Jerusalem, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. Go ahead, show us who you are. Go ahead, show us who you are. Cast thyself down, and hence it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in his hands shall they bear thee up, lest thou at any time dash thy foot against the stone. And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. When the devil had entered, entered all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. You see, the devil tried to show him. He was, he was like the guy in, uh, in the, in the uh, 
in his store in St. Augustine, he tried to show him the benefits. Look at all these benefits we have for you. In Revelation chapter 12, in verse 9, beginning of verse 9, it says, And the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent, called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. The greatest weapon that the devil has against believers and not believers is deception. Deception. He's the greatest, that is the greatest weapon that he has. Because we have power over principalities and powers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. And he, convinced, he tries to convince you to give it up. Um, just a couple weeks ago, some famous people, famous designer and a guy that had a uh, show, they travel around the world and uh, ate in different places and they both committed suicide. And they said that in just the last few years that suicide has increased by 25%. As the devil has, con has convinced people, he's deceived them into killing themselves. And it goes on, it said, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Now has come salvation and strength and kingdom of our God and the power of Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night. And here's how they overcame him. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Thus saith the Lord. There's times, well, and they love not their lives, even in the death. There's, there's times when I've gone through a trial and the old devil comes to me and starts working on me, tries to tell me what he's going to do and what's happening and I'm going to die or something else. And that's when I just have to say, devil, let me show you something. And I show him. I show him the word. We've got to stand on the word. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. The battle's over. Thank you, Jesus. When I went back and, and looked at Eve in the Garden of Eden, how she fell, I saw that Eve was driven by her emotions. And today, that's how people are being driven today. I see the news media. They'll get on something, and they'll keep putting it on, and they'll keep putting it on, putting it on, and, and that's how they're controlling people. They will appeal to your emotions. And... Uh, I thought about when I was thinking about that, I thought back many years ago when I was on the radio on WJYM and then I was on a couple other stations too. And at that time, I was uh, working in Salina and St. Mary's in the morning. We had apartments in Salina and St. Mary's and then I would go to Lyme in the afternoon. That's because people didn't wake up in Lyme until the afternoon. It was no use being in the office in the morning because nobody was gonna come in. But the people in Salina St. Mary's get up in the morning. So I had uh, been in Salina and did some work, and, and I got my car, and I was heading for Lima. I'd already eaten lunch, and, and I'm driving down the road. And I just got out of town, and I heard a little voice. And that little voice said, John, do you know how much your radio bill is going to be at the end of this month? Now, this is the middle of the month. you know how much your radio bill is going to be? And I thought about it, and I said, yeah, it's going to be about $660. And that was a lot of money then. Still is, but it was even a lot more then. This is back in the 70s. And that little voice said, well, uh, how much money do you have? 
Well, I thought on my bank account, I got just over $100. And that voice said, don't you realize what's happening? I said, no, what? And that voice said, you're going broke. I said, you're right. How did I ever get into this mess? And I just kept thinking all the way, and they kept saying, you're going broke, you're going broke, you're going broke. You know. And I thought, wow. I thought, what am I going to do? And the voice said, you need to cancel the program. Cancel your radio program. So as soon as I got to Lima, I set my briefcase down. I picked up the phone, and I started dialing WJYM. That's when you still had to dial. And I started dialing WJYM, and God spoke to me and said, John, can I talk to you a minute? And I said, okay. I put the phone down. I said, what? He said, John, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to call the radio station. He said, why are you calling the radio station? I said, because I'm going to cancel the program. He said, why are you going to cancel the program? And I said, this is really, you know, I didn't want to say it out loud, you know, but I said to myself, this is a dumb question. Where have you been? Didn't you hear this conversation that I just had? All the way up to Lima? I said, I'm going to cancel the program because I'm going broke. He said, who told you that? Did you ever think about that? Who told you that? And that's exactly what God said to Adam after they fell. And the Lord came in the cool of the day in the evening where he used to walk in fellowship with Adam and Eve. And he walks into the, into the garden, and where's Adam? He said, Adam, where are you at? Where art thou? He said, I'm over behind this tree. He said, why are you behind the tree? He said, because I'm naked. What did he say? He said, who told you that? You know what? When the devil comes and starts screaming in your ear, telling you how bad it is, you need to say, thus saith the Lord. And not only that, my dad, listen, my dad lived to be a hundred years old. And he said, why worry about it? You're going to die of something. And that's true. We're either going to die or fly. To be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. So what are, we wor- what are you worried about? We're passing through. It's a fact. So we need to make, it, make every minute count. I was talking to Gary about, uh, he was out uh, Tuesday night, knocking on doors in, in Sydney, trying to reach the lost. I said in the Baptist church, we used to have a saying, we need to reach the lost at any cost. And that's the truth. We need to spend our time reaching the lost at any cost. In Flying Magazine one time, I used to get Flying Magazine, I used to fly, and uh, one time they had an article in there, Why Good Pilots Die. And they said the, the reason that many good pilots die is because they said you need to realize we often make very bad decisions when we, when we are either tired or under pressure. That's when we really, you have to watch yourself because you have a tendency to make a bad decision. And they said the thing that kills a lot of pilots is they come down with this disease they call get-home-itis. It's been a long, hard day. They get in their plane and they say, I just want to get home. I'm tired. I just want to get home. And they'll get careless. They'll, they'll skip the pre-flight. 
check, you know, they won't, they won't check uh, the airplane, make sure everything's together. They won't fill it up. They won't check the weather. They won't file a flight plan. And when they get in the, the plane and they, and they take off, one of the big things is they don't keep track of their ground speed. Now in an airplane, I used to rent a little airplane that would cruise at about 100 miles an hour. So if all things are neutral between point A and point a, B, if it's 100 miles, you can get there in an hour, 100 miles an hour. But if you get into a headwind, if you get into a 40 mile an hour headwind, it's like swimming upstream. And it'll take you 40% longer and 40% more fuel to get there. They won't keep track of their ground speed. They won't keep track of their fuel consumption. And many times they'll just simply run out of gas. They'll just perfectly good airplane and run out of gas. But that's what they say, why good pilots die? Because often we just, we, we make bad decisions when we're tired or under pressure. Some years ago, I heard this uh, evangelist say that he was over in England, and uh, he was visiting in England, just taking a tour around, and he went to this village outside of Jerusalem, and uh, this village had very narrow streets. And a lot of the streets over there, too, in the, in the downtown sections, they didn't even have sidewalks. So this evangelist was walking down the street, and he hears a noise, looks up, and he sees a flock of sheep coming towards him, and they're taking up the whole street. So when they get near, he steps inside the opening to a little shop, and a man from that town steps in there with him so they can get out of the way. And he said, as the flock of sheep went by, there was a man behind them, whipping them, kicking them, and cursing them. And he said to the man from that town, he said, I thought the shepherd's supposed to lead the sheep. He said, oh, he does. That's not the shepherd, that's the butcher. So you have to ask yourself the question, am I being led or driven? The Holy Ghost will lead you. The devil will drive you. Am I being led or driven? He leadeth me beside the still waters. The Holy Ghost will always lead you. You need to, you need to ask yourself that question. When everything breaks loose in your life, and people say, you've got to make a decision right now, right now, right now. Am I being led or driven? And I thought of different things why, why trouble comes. Trouble comes when we're doing good. Why is this happening? There used to be an old country song. When I worked at the radio station, I had, used to have to do on Thursday nights a country show. I never liked country, but the one was, Why me, Lord? What have I done to deserve all this trouble? Charlie Pride, I think it was. Why does trouble come? Number one, we're doing good. Psalm 34, 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Shambach used to preach that. You know the rest of it? Somebody tell me, what's the rest of it? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Thank God. There's a new day coming. Help's on the way. There's an old Pentecostal song that says, don't give up on the brink of a miracle. Don't give up on the brink of a miracle. How many people have given up right on the brink of a miracle? It was coming. Don't give up. I'm coming. Second thing is, why trouble comes? We're doing bad. 
when we're in sin. Galatians. Galatians chapter, something happened to my bookmark, chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Be not deceived. God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that also shall he reap. What we sow is what we grow. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing. In due season we shall reap if we don't give up, if we don't faint. And the third thing is, why does trouble come? Bottom line, because of the curse. Because God told Adam, you shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for the day that you eat thereof thou shalt surely die. The third reason trouble comes is because of the curse, the curse of sin. The earth was cursed even. I believe that before Adam and Eve fell, before the, the, the curse came, there were no weeds, there were no fires, floods, earthquakes, tornadoes, volcanoes. It was a beautiful place till the curse of sin came. Ephesians chapter 6 and uh, verses 10 through 18. Now that's one, what we need to do. I forgot to use my keys. Sometimes... When the old devil comes back, he tries to find the key that'll work. He'll say, you know, this one used to work on them. They used to like alcohol. Let me see if I can get them into that. Here's one. They used to like pornography. Here's an old one there. There's a skeleton key. And he looks for the keys. He comes back. Why is this happening? Because he's looking for a key that will open. He's trying to find a way to get you to give up. That's what it is. He's trying to find that key that will work. That's what we need to say, thus saith the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning of verse 10. I pray this every morning with Nita and I. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities, against powers, against the wickedness in this high place, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about the truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod of the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, having the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Every morning we get together and I plead the blood of Jesus upon us. I plead the blood and then we claim the whole armor of God, the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, loins girt about the truth, feet shot of the preparation of the gospel of peace, in our hands the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith, where we shall quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The last thing I want to talk about then is I was sitting here in church Sunday, and I was thinking of the benefits. You know, people, you talk to people, invite them to come to church, and a lot of times, like I said, they see absolutely no benefit. They're like the guy in Crytersville. Why would I want to go there? Why would I want to put my money in? I thought of the different benefits because there's times that I needed to hear from God. 
And God's spoken to me several different ways. In the praise and worship. Sometimes in the praise of worship, I'll just get to victory. If faith that saves is faith that heals us. Thank God. The same God. In the praise and worship. In the word. Be set free. I remember when I was telling Kim, said to tell somebody about a good thing that God did for you. I said, I remember when I tried to commit suicide. It was the first day that I soloed when I was taking my pilot training, and I was very depressed. My kids were just living in a hellhole. I was divorced, and it, and it was bad. And child services wouldn't do anything about it. And I was so depressed, I couldn't even drive by and see him. It just tore me up. And so I thought, well, the devil came to me and, and put a spirit of condemnation on me and said, you need to kill yourself. And so the day came, it was on a Saturday, when I soloed by myself, and I did what they always said, don't ever do. I went up to about 3,000 feet, went into a dive, full power, and straight up. Straight up. And pretty soon, it gets to the point it can't climb anymore, and it starts to shake, and the stall warner comes on, and then it drops, and it goes into a spin, and I tromp that, I tromp the uh, one rudder down. It's just to tighten that spin. And I thought it was going to be sweet. But I'll tell you, the second I got into there, it scared me to death. And I thought of Shambach saying, when this plane hits, you're going to split hell wide open. And I did everything I could to pull that plane out. It pulled the power back. I traded the opposite rudder. I traded the ailerons, the, the elevator. That's all you got. And it just, nothing. It just, everything was just being thrown around like you're in a washing machine. And you could see the ground coming up and I was so scared I closed my eyes I shoved myself back in the seat took my hands off the control I couldn't even say a word but it me I said Jesus save me and it felt like a hand grabbed that plane and when I opened my eyes I was about the height of the parking lot lights in a field coming down over a field in a level descent I put the power back on and recovered and that night, my cousin, we went to church, used to go, there was a church on Saturday night we went to. She said, what happened to you this morning at 8.30? I said, why? She said, because God woke me up, got me on my knees, and said, pray for John. He's in trouble. Two weeks later, my friend Jimmy Sloan came. He was, had moved down to Chillicothe. He came, he said, what happened to you two weeks ago? 8.30 in the morning. Same story. But that was on a Saturday. On Sunday, when I went to church, in the worship service, the first song was, Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. And that burden started coming off of me. And then the preacher preached on Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank God. To walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And that's how God had begun to, to, to minister to me through the worship service, with the word, through the preaching. Different times you, you wonder, you know, what do, I need to know. I, 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 I need to have an answer. I need an answer in my life. I'm going through trouble and I need an answer. And it comes through giving. And Luke... Luke chapter 6 and verse 38 says, Given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For the same measure that you meet withal shall it be measured to you again. Giving. 
I mean, it's because what we sow is what we grow. And I believe it, I've seen it. And uh, when I was first saved, then I was in this little Baptist church. It was called Neptune Baptist Church. It isn't even there. It's out at Neptune. I don't know if you ever heard of Neptune. It's on 33 between St. Mary's and Rockford. But uh, they hired a guy for a pastor. And he was going through Bible college, and he was no spring chicken. He was in his 40s and had a couple kids, and, and uh, they didn't pay him very much. Then he had an old Plymouth. It was a 63 Plymouth, and that's when cars wore out at 100,000 miles. They used to rust out in five years. They had a car dealer told me that's the average, because all it was was bare steel. They didn't, they didn't dip them in anything. And uh, he had a Plymouth with 150,000 miles on it, and the starter went out, you had to push it to start it. And so when they came, gave time to give the offering, they said, we're going to give a spatial, spatial offering for the pastor. Oh, he was driving from Anderson, Indiana. That's where he was going to Bible college. We're going to give him a spatial offering because the starter went out in his car so that he can go to the junkyard between the morning and evening service and buy himself a starter from the junkyard and crawl under his car and put the starter on. <laughs> and I said to myself, God, these people are so cheap. They are cheap, cheap, cheap. And he said to me, well, instead of criticizing them, why don't you do something about it? That's the second time I've heard that. I said, what do you want me to do? He said, why don't you give him your Oldsmobile? I said, okay, I will. You can't outgive the Lord. He's always blessed us. And it's fun to give. It was fun to give him the keys to that car. Say, it's yours. Given it shall be given unto you. What we sow is what we grow. It comes with the anointing. One of the benefits is the anointing. A guy I knew years ago in, uh, oh, I forgot to mention, I've known the pastors since before they were pastors. I've known them for 36 years. And they were the same then as they are now. But uh, the anointing, I knew a fellow in Lima, by the name of uh, David Smith. And he said in 1965, he went to a healing evangelistic meeting at Fort Wayne Memorial Coliseum. And he said the place was packed. He said he sat behind a little boy while he was sitting there and uh, on the floor. And that's where they brought people into the wheelchairs. And he said, and they wheeled this little boy in and get him out of his wheelchair. And he sat him down in front of him. And he said he was sitting there. He had cerebral palsy or or uh, polio something he said but he was sitting there all gnarled up like this and he said when the anointing hit that place nobody had even prayed for him but when the anointing hit that place he said he went like this his little hand straightened out he stood up and he walked that was 1965. He said every person that came in a wheelchair walked out of that place. They didn't have to wheel them out. It's the anointing. This is just the benefits. Coming to church. Coming here. The prayer of faith. James chapter 5 says, Any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church with a prayer of them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. The Lord shall raise him up. Did you notice it says, The prayer of faith shall save the sick? Salvation, the Lord shall raise him up. Healing, if he hath committed sins, it shall be forgiven them. Salvation, healing, forgiveness. And then it says, confess your faults one to another, pray one for another. Does it say that they may be healed? It says, know that you may be healed. 
I have found the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I have found one of the reasons, one of the ways that God heals me is when I pray for other people. Because what you sow is what you grow. What we give is what we receive. The prayer of faith. Number seven, I thought the benefits here is family. Family. It's, it's, it's real, I really enjoy coming and talking to people and, uh, and receiving from my family. Oh, I should tell you too, the prayer of faith. I've received the prayer of faith. I remember uh, a couple years ago, I was having chest pains. And I said, Lord, what am I going to do? And he said, this was Sunday morning. And I'd been having for a couple days, and he said, have Ella Johnson pray for you. She did, and they left. And here, about a year ago, I was having pains in my hip. I couldn't sleep at night. I thought, I do not want to have to have a hip replacement. I said, God, what am I going to do? And he said, go see Charlie Dosick, have him pray for you. He prayed for me, and it went away. And here at the end of, yes, it's, 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 the, it's the, uh, the family and the prayer of faith. And uh, Nita, the end of 2016, in October, her gland started swelling up. And so we went to our doctor, and uh, he didn't, really didn't know what to do. So he gave her antibiotics. Gave her antibiotics for a month. They did nothing. So he sent her the next month to ear, nose, and throat specialist. He took her, uh, had her go to the St. Mary's Hospital and get a CAT scan. They said, your tonsils are fine. He gave her antibiotics for another month. Didn't go away. So he sent her to another ear, nose, and throat specialist. And he had her go into uh, the St. Mary's Hospital and get a biopsy. He said that was all right. He didn't know what to do. He gave her more antibiotics. So she's been on antibiotics for three months. And at the end of 2016, her prescription ran out. And this is on the weekend. She came down with a bad chest, cold, and fever. And I thought, what am I going to do? Can't take her to the emergency room. All we're going to do is give her more antibiotics. And this is not the answer. So at the end of the service, I asked Gerald to pray with me. And uh, he prayed for Nita, and then he said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, I have some experience in this. He said, you can't keep taking antibiotics because they will compromise your immune system. He said, you need to get her off the antibiotics and get her on probiotics. On the way home, I stopped at, at the Walmart, got her probiotics. She started on them one a day, three days, she was over it. It hasn't come back. That's family. That's proof. That's that's. Uh, that's why we have the, the altar team up here. I'm going through trouble asking them to pray with me. Then we have uh, number eight was the fivefold ministry. He gave some, uh, Ephesians 4, he gave some apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God and the perfect man with the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. And the last one was was the blessing. You know, when, uh, when we give of the blessing, it's not just words. And, and uh, I want to bless you today. I don't know what else to do, but because God told Moses, he said, when you bless the children of Israel, bless them in this way. And he said, now may the Lord bless you and keep you 
May his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ.